I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Gompies, and welcome to the final ever 100 Hits Volume Pod. We started back in 1991. We're all the way to 2002. Autumn, Side B, and my very special guest. I think I asked him before I even started the podcast to come on. He's finally here. Please welcome into your hearts, into your ears. It's a matter of kind, everyone. Yay. Yeah, thank you. I, when you said we started from 1991, I was like, you have not been doing this for 32 <laughs> years. And then I realized what's what's going on. And I can't believe I'm the last, I'm the last one. This is like the time when I was on Sea Patrol. Um, oh, no, I think it was All Saints in the second last episode ever. So, I mean, just yep. no chance of a return character you know when you're in the second last ever i've i was on uh the last ever well not the last ever but the last ever spicks and specs the original and that's oh yeah when, that's when they they saw me and went, oh you'd be all right to host and then i was also on the second last talking about your generation with uh the charlie and josh uh and oh yes of Keller course version. yeah i, I, I mean on- we should we should be able to bro out right now in the world of remaking classics Oh yeah, because how how are you going with making mother and son? <laughs> I mean, I'm loving it. We have just remade mother and son, reimagined as we say it. Uh, and um, and you know, it's so many people have been loving it, and yeah. so many people have been hating it. It's just amazing to see how um, outraged people can be over you attempting to do something um, oh. which you think is supposed to be just a fun comedy. Like it's like I'm meant to be cheering people up, and yet yeah. I've managed to piss. So many people off. Well, I remember when I, the first day of doing Specs, I went on your radio show with Alex on Triple J and you were like, dude, don't read the comments, okay? Just don't read the comments. And I was <laughs> thinking there going, oh yeah, but I reckon the show's really good. I, I, I'm really, I reckon people like it. And you were so right. You're like, just go out for dinner. <laughs> just avoid everything. <laughs> it's brutal, man. Like people are, they get offended. They're offended by what you've done. And it's just like. I I mean I was I was ready for it and I was prepared for it but it doesn't mean that like doesn't mean it doesn't get you down like it's still oh, yeah. like I'll just be I will be out to dinner and suddenly my phone will buzz and I'm like oh is it someone messaging me is it an email no it's just rob with a yeah. vote no profile picture telling me that I'm the biggest disgrace to Australian TV and yeah. you're like oh cool thanks man did you talk to Gary McDonald beforehand no, I haven't actually spoken to Gary McDonald. I mean, to be fair, I don't think um, you know he's not really. He was just he, the actor in it, right? Yeah, well, he's just no, he's not just, just not really actor. in public eye anymore. So yeah. you know, he doesn't really chat to many people like publicly in that sort of capacity. He's a pretty personal yeah. guy. So um, I know that Jeffrey Atherton, the original creator of the show, um, spoke to Gary, and Gary was fine with it. That's the thing. Like, or it's like people people in the public acting as gatekeepers when. Yeah. Like the original creator was working alongside us. Gary doesn't mind. No one cares except it, for them. You know, It sounds like exactly the same thing that we went through. We had all the original team working behind the scenes. 
Then Miff and Alan and Adam were all cool with it. They gave us our blessing, and it was like they walked away as well. They, it was almost like they were like replaced by us. They would. They I were, know. They're we, like done it for enough time. <laughs> they're like the original. Still, like the, nothing takes away from their time on the show. I think that people also forget what acting is. Like, yeah. I don't think that Gary McDonald or Ruth Cracknell are worried about me playing Arthur. Like. Any more than they would be worried about me playing Shakespeare. If I mean, yeah. you know, me playing Romeo. If they'd played Romeo, like you play a character. It's it's not you. Anyways, uh, what can you do? Well, this sounds like a different podcast. We'll get into. But what we're going to do today? <laughs> we're talking songs from two thousand and two. So, how old were you, Matt, in two thousand two? I was in year 12, actually. So I was 17 years old, Brisbane State High School, um, and I was in a boy band. So I I had my finger on the pulse when it came to the music. So was it like R&B or was it a bit more edgier? Oh, no, it was pop. Yeah, yeah, we were called 4.1. And uh, I wasn't the point one, by the way. I was... I was... One of the four. I was one of the the main four. What was Uh, 4.1 in reference to? Uh, I think the the name five had already been taken, so we just uh, <laughs> we went to four point one, and uh, yeah, the point one shout out to you, busy. Um, certainly had the microphone turned down whenever we were on stage, but he was some good eye candy. So you know, you everyone need. everyone needs their posh. That's Ab's love in in five. All right, well, we're going to talk about ten songs. At the end, we'll get your opinion on if or not they're good songs, but. This is what we're doing. We're going to start off with a guy who's really been on the show so much in the last couple of episodes. This is from his album, Swing, When You're Winning. This is Robbie Williams and Nicole Kidman with their song, Something Stupid, or their version, I should say. I know I stand in line until you think you have the time to spend in To dance, I know that there's a chance you won't be leaving with me. Then afterwards, we drop into a quiet little place and have a drink or two. And then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like, I love you. All right, that's all we'll play. Good. Do you know this song, Matt? I hate it. Okay, hate this. Uh, honestly, this song. Now, there's a couple of songs in the, um, you know, in your memory that you didn't like at the time, but they bring back really nostalgic, joyful memories. You know, something like Venga Bus. Yeah. You know, you're like this. That song was trash when I when I listened to it then. Yes. But it's such a cheesy, fun pop song that you're like, yeah, you can't help but go like sing along. You know. Of doing this podcast, that the Venga Boys are the the artist I'm most surprised that I like all their songs. No, totally. Like I didn't yeah. like them at all then. But if they come on into club, I'm bopping. Yeah, this song still shit. All right, <laughs> I still hate it. And here is the thing: Robbie Williams is I I reckon one of the greatest pop artists of yep. you know our generation. Absolutely love. Love his vibe, on and off stage, think he's great. Nicole Kidman, incredible actor and good singer. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed Nicole and Ewan McGregor's um, 
you know, songs from Moulin Rouge. So I was like, man, this is like, I'm not against Nicole singing. I love Nicole singing. I'm not against the duet. I love Robbie Williams. This song (laughs) just does something to me. Well, the the original was by a guy called Carson Parks, C. Carson Parks. He wrote it and uh, performed it with his wife, Gail Foote, in 1966. Then a year later, Frank Sinatra did a version with his daughter, Nancy Sinatra, which that became an international hit, uh, got number one in the UK and in the US. But it's a weird song to do with your daughter. It is, isn't it? I was just thinking that. I was like, am I... Am, am I wrong in thinking no. that it's weird to be singing a love song with your daughter? But yeah, like especially where they look like... The whole song is, oh, I, I'll, and then I ruin it by saying something like, I love you. And it's... it's Look, I mean, to be fair, I tell my daughter that I love her a lot and she often makes me feel like I've ruined her day when I say it. <laughs> I mean, she's four years old and if I'm like, oh, I love you so much, she's like, ugh, go away. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So, well, that's what Nancy should be doing in this song. She should be going, oh, gross, Dad. Ugh, just rolling her eyes the entire time. Yes. Uh, so this was on um, Swing and Winning. Uh, it was released as the lead single of that in December in the UK. It got to number one on Christmas. It was the Christmas number one that year. Wow. Which is a big thing in the UK. They always have the big, what's going to be Christmas number one. People try and rig it. I mean, Mariah Carey's kind of ruined it with the greatest Christmas song of all time that goes yeah. number one every year. Did you, but, did you, have you talked about the um, Rage Against the Machine? Uh, I think it's come up a little bit, but yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, in 2009 when they didn't want the uh, X Factor yeah. winner to get it again. Simon Cowell had always pushed for X Factor and so they made Rage Against Machine number one in uh, 2009 with Killing in the Name of. Now, which Alex uh, Dyson very smart, like finally pointed out. It's like Killing in the Name of is, is against like, you know, against the establishment. Like, F you, yeah. I won't do what you told me. And then like all of the Rage Against yeah. the Machine fans <laughs> did exactly what they told them to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Um, so Robbie, uh, like you heard Nicole sing in Moulin Rouge and was like, oh, she's got such a great voice. And I think he also, he's, he's alleged that they had a relationship. And really? Then Has he said that? He said that. And then the person asking the question said, oh, I just meant your working relationship. And he went, oh, sorry, I've said too much then. Oh, when did, so was that in a publication or an interview somewhere? It was uh, with The Sun newspaper. Well, I mean, The Sun is, yeah. the, sun is the Sun. Yep. It's not great, but they probably would have got the text anyway if they didn't even didn't say it. Uh, but NME reviewed this album by saying, Williams, Rupert Everett, Nicole Kidman do swing. Great. The Twat Pack. Oof. Which is pretty brutal. I've, I've got a love-hate relationship with NME. Sometimes I'm like, you're just being mean for mean's sake. And sometimes I'm like, well, it is, it is kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, um, that, it's, is that song a thing for NME? That's what annoys no. me. It annoys me when NME or a, a publication like, like Pitchfork that, or something like that, yeah, yeah, step into this into a yeah a song like that and go, oh, this is terrible. It's like, yeah, they're not. Robbie Williams and Nicole Kidman did not team up to impress NME. You to know? me, this song sounds like he's trying to break America because he didn't have he didn't break America like he broke everywhere else in the world. And this doing it like a Frank Sinatra classic, I think this is his way of going. I'm going to get in into America. Really? No, that that seems misguided. Has he made that statement, or are you guessing? No, I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Like, so he had every other like country in the world, loved it. Angels we were the only ones who didn't like angels, though. 
which he still holds a grudge against. Angels uh, is like the, one of the best Robbie Williams songs of all time. Absolutely. Australia, we were wrong. What? Why didn't we like Angels? I don't know. I really don't know. Because he, he released it three times. <clears throat> he released Angels three times here. Yeah. We never, we never took to it. Yeah. Anyway, that's Robbie and Nicole. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Maybe Nicole. it's too hot to be an angel in Australia, you know? There's, there's <laughs> having all the, the, the robes and the wings, like it, it'd be quite sweaty. I know where it, I am in Brisbane. Like you would yeah. like, and, and I don't know whether any angels I know would wear thongs. Like that's because that you kind of have to wear thongs in Brisbane. It's so hot. I remember, do you remember the film John Travolta playing the angel? Like it's just, Is it I think it's Michael. Michael, or, yeah. Yep. Something like that. It's just a one per. I remember seeing that. I very rarely got to see cinema films like when I was growing up, but I remember seeing that and the next year, because it was in the school holidays and then the next year at the start of the school year, the teacher said, what's your favourite film? And I wrote, Michael. <laughs> 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 wow. That, I mean, that's, it's not Pulp Fiction like mine was uh, yeah. back in the day, but it's wholesome, you know, that's <laughs> nice. All right, we're going to move on to a bad, oh, we've talked about them so much. This is the only new song from their best of compilation from 2001. It was released in Australia before anywhere else in the world. This is The Cause and their song, Would You Be Happier? Thanks, Cause. Thanks, Andrea Core and the rest of you. Sounded very Cause, didn't it? Does. Although they've they've kind of gone off their Celtic kind of sound and they're kind of just making pop songs that I think would be big in Canada, even though it wasn't. Um, is the Cause one of those bands that are like insanely massive in Ireland? No, this is the thing. They're bigger in Australia than they were in Ireland. I mean, they are big in Ireland, but Ireland are really hot and cold with them. Like their, wow. their first album kind of was a slow build and then their second album, they didn't really go for it, the album, which is insane to me. It sold a lot of copies. I am such a huge fan of Runaway. Yep. Absolutely love it. Still think about it all the time. Um, Breathless is pretty good as well, but Run, Runaway will always have a spot in my heart. The black and white film clip. Yep. Um, I mean, it's just got rage, you know, rage in the morning on a weekend written all over it, video yep. hits all over it. So this was uh, released here first, only got to 47. <clears throat> in the UK, it got to 14. In Ireland, uh, 26. 
on I've the never charts. heard this one before, and and I have to say, I'm I'm not overly impressed. No, it's it's they had two new songs on their uh, best of album. One was a cover, uh, and one was this one. It's opened it. Uh, they did play it though in their uh, like they did a big tour and uh, played it on VH1. They played this one. Uh, then the next single after this was just a live version of this song. Weird that they'd go, but they'd double down on this one. Yeah, uh, that was recorded for VH1 in Dublin, their <clears> home, <throat> their hometown. Uh, Bono joined them on stage for two songs, and Ronnie Wood of the Rolling Stones also joined them. Uh, he pl- played "Little Wing" by H- Jimi Hendrix, and also they closed the show by doing "Ruby Tuesday" by the Stones. Mm, okay, that would have been quite a show. Yeah, I on mean, the co- I'm, I like, I prefer the uh, "I Never Loved You Anyway" kind of cause. Yeah, I just for- I forgot about that one as well. Oh, you should I mean, come on when we talked about that one. I don't, be I, bad. I don't think the guests have liked any cause songs. Not it even Runaway. Bad to have. Um, th- what? No one's liked the cause songs. I, I think Jess McGuire was the guest for Runaway, and she was like, she hates this song. Oh, I love that song, and never <laughs> loved you anyway. In fact, I'm starting to realise that I am a I am a super core. Yeah, great. <laughs> I don't know who is that. What they call themselves? I mean, not the Grumpies. The, the Gumpies. Gumpies, but um, but the super the super. I'm thinking I'm a super core. You you go. I love you to my core. Let's see. Yeah, I really um, am. Except for Jim Core. Jim Core's now a bit of a conspiracy theorist, bit of a crazy guy. On the cover well, of the album, I though, mean, he's come on. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. Who doesn't believe in a few conspiracy theories? <laughs> I don't. You know, if you don't, if you don't believe in at least a couple of conspiracy theories, look, I, I then... like my favorite conspiracy theory is the Postman Pat conspiracy. No, Fireman Sam conspiracy theory. Do you know this one? No. So, does your kid ever watch Fireman Sam? Yes. Okay, so small town in Wales, okay? There's only two redheads in the entire village. Neville, the kid who lights all the fires, who's got a single mum, and Fireman Sam. I reckon Fireman Sam is Neville's dad, (laughs) and he's letting him get away with all these fires because he feels bad (laughs) for knocking his mum up and not sticking around. Well, it's also, I mean, you know, John Cruikshank has got that great joke about his friend who does graffiti by day and no graffiti by night and is a council cleaner by day. So he cleans his own graffiti. Um, <laughs> and maybe Fireman Sam is out there going, like yeah. he's, made a, he's made a fire starter so he can fight fires. I think it yeah. keeps him employed. Father and son, both obsessed by fire. <laughs> one for good, one for bad. Yeah, it's like an origin story, isn't it? Like, or, it's or Neville knows. Story. No, Neville knows that he his dad is Five and Sam, so he's lighting the fires just to see his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like it's the only way to see dad. He doesn't answer calls or anything. Uh, also on their uh, best of album is a cover which they did on MTV Unplugged of REM's "Everybody Hurts." Uh, I reckon they would have nailed that. I am here to tell you, Matt, you are wrong. It is not good. Oh, why? What happened? I think everything, like the the violin's too high in the mix. It's It just doesn't sound good. It sounds like they're trying to make it into a pop song. Mm. I don't know. It's too clean. Anyway. All right, fair enough. Maybe they've got too much hair. You know, didn't like, the guy from REM... Michael Stipe, yeah. Hair? Shaved his head. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe All hair right, makes, ruins, a, ruins an REM song. We're going to move it. We haven't heard from this next act for quite some time. I think it was 1997 we heard from her last, but she's back. This was her comeback single from her album, This Way. This is Jewel and her song, Standing Still. I 
twilight There's a dead end to my left There's a burning bush to my right You aren't in sight You aren't in sight I um, it took a while for me to remember that one. Me too. But the once chorus, the chorus though, kicks in, oh, I was like, oh, I was like, this belongs in an ad for Dawson's Creek. I was, I've got written down. Should be on Dawson's Creek. I don't know if it is on <laughs> Dawson's Creek, but it sounds like Dawson's Creek. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's, that's the midweek. Sixpence, none the richer. All those kind of bands. Yeah, um, it had even a little bit of uh, Aqua Turnback Timey vibes to it. Oh, that's a um, good my partner Belinda is actually. She had the Jewel album for a while, uh, one of the Jewel albums, and is like a big Jewel fan. Um, although she kind of quite, like she 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 reminds me of that there is a song that Jewel wrote, track eight on Spirit, yes, um, called Fat Boy. <laughs> Have you? Seen? It just no. it's just not a it's just not a type of song that you would fly these days. And it's like here's the verse, Fat Boy. Goes to the pool, sees his reflection, doesn't know what to do. Like, just stuff <laughs> like that. It just feels like so not contemporary. Yeah. So she's come a long way in when we first started talking about it. When we first started talking about it, uh, Matt, I told the story how Sean Penn um, was a bit of a creepy, creepy man towards her. Oh, was he? Saw her, saw her, her debut on Conan O'Brien in '95, called up the studio and Got her, got her number from the studio, uh, and then they started dating shortly afterwards. But she kind of was like, "Oh, this is not like I feel like the power balance is off here." But he funded her first film clip and stuff like that, and so he was kind of. And then they broke up shortly after. Uh, her whole thing was that she was sleeping in a car and she was a troubadour, all that kind of stuff. Mm. But this now, she's writing about her life now because she's now got too much fame, according to her. Yeah, And so she talks about, this. what she said about this song, it's about the irony of how much a person travels in my job and how it can really cause your emotional life to stand still. Fame really tolerates a prolonged adolescence and your fame and career can outgrow your ability to handle it. You can be really spoiled and want to get away. From, and I wanted to get away from that and make sure I wasn't standing still. So that's what, mm. standing still. I mean, so that's she, pretty, that, that, sorry, you go on. I was going to say, so uh, she wrote the lyrics, Rick Knowles, who also wrote Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlisle. He did the music. Oh, that's a tune. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a typical trap that most artists fall into where the first, you know, release or album or show or whatever is all about the hustle and the grind yep. and the struggle. And then the, the next one is always about how difficult life is now that I've, yep. you know, got everything I've ever wanted. Comedians are like that as well. They every do, single comedian once, once does they it. get big, and then they're like the next hour is about all right. Hotel rooms are weird, or travel <laughs> is annoying. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lobster tastes funny sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, when God, you're in my first investment class. portfolio manager is really annoying me today. 
<laughs> uh, so by this stage, like the cause, Jewel, bigger in Australia than anywhere else in the world. Um, the album went to six here. It's the highest chart placing anywhere. Although it did get to nine in America, which is very good. Like yeah. that's like, yeah. That's yeah, we've talked about her a fair bit. Uh, we haven't mentioned this, though. Jewel claims that her mum stole $100 million from her. Yeah. $100 million? Jewel had, at one stage, $100 million to steal. That sounds not like, real. <laughs> I, know, I know her first album was huge, but I don't think she would have made $100 million. I don't million. even think... The crown jewels are worth $100 million. <laughs> like, what is going on? Well, apparently, so her mum was, was a business manager. Yeah. And when Jewel was 34, she looked into it and realised she was $3 million in debt. And she went, well, it's either me or my mum who have spent all this money. And she goes, and I know it's not me. And so she then realised that her mum, all her life has been abusing her emotionally. Like her mum told her that her dad kidnapped them and uh, took her and her siblings away and that he, she lived with him. And then she realised, oh, no, my mum just didn't want us and so my dad took us. She also said her dad was quite abusive, like he was a drunk, and, but they've patched their, patched their relationship up these days. Uh, and then when her mum would actually uh, visit her, she would tell her that – this is Jewel. She would tell Jewel that she was so – her mind was so powerful that she could light light bulbs – and so she gave her a light bulb and sat her at the kitchen table and said, you concentrate on that light bulb and if you, with your mind, uh, think hard enough, you will light that light bulb. And then she realised that her mum just did that to occupy her so she could go off and do other stuff. What? <laughs> so she gave, she gave her kid so she a gave... light bulb and said, <laughs> if you concentrate hard enough, you'll be able to light this with your mind. So Jewel sat there trying to... And, Thinking, oh, I'm not powerful enough. I'm not. I've got to concentrate more. I've got to concentrate more. While well, her mum went off and did other stuff. Oh my God, maybe it was like a metaphor for smoking meth. Isn't that how you smoke meth through a light bulb or something? I think so. I, I think there's light bulbs involved. <laughs> some some sort of light bulb involved. Here, you take this light bulb and go occupy yourself for a few hours. But I just love the irony that she realised years later that her mum was playing a trick on her. Like she, her light bulb moment came many, many years later. Yeah, you know. I mean, how long would you stare at a light bulb <laughs> before realizing mum's out of the house? Like you'd be, you'd be like, "Why am I doing this? Let's watch yeah. TV." I'm exactly. Out. If you've got a kid who's good enough who will just sit there and stare at a light bulb for hours, you've got a kid good enough to just bum around the house, do whatever they want. You're not going to get in trouble. Yeah, you don't need to lie to them to do whatever you want. You can just do whatever you want, and they'll just happily sit there. All right, oh, that's a good trick. I might have to use yeah, that. Let's see, with my you, daughter. I, I don't think my nine and twelve year old would be able to do it, but as in, like, I wouldn't be able to trick them. But maybe with four, a four year old. Also, if someone told me that I could light a light bulb with my mind, I don't know if I'd trust them with my portfolio. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you're the person that could that could uh, look after my business. All right, hey, we're going to move on. Another uh, single named <clears throat> artist. This one we've talked about him before. Last time we talked about him was his number one banger, Stutter. This is Joe with his song, Let's Stay Home Tonight.
surprised that i don't know this song because this would have been right down my alley when you said you're in a boy band i thought this is the song that you'll you'll yeah. pick up to um but i kind of kind of find i'm a bit confused as to who wanted to go out and who wants to stay at home i think in my head i have the feeling that joe's partner is like let's go out tonight and he's like no i'm not i, don't, I just want to stay at home and do this i think like, you're right his lyrics he's like i'm staying home tonight i don't want to go nowhere I'm just going to love you, baby, all night long. And then he talks about all the things he wants to do. Yep. And then and then he's saying, let's stay home tonight. Joe really just doesn't <laughs> want to go to dinner, does he? He's like in his pyjamas or something on the couch. Well, do you know what inspired this? And I couldn't believe it when I read this. So this was written, okay, released in 2002, Matt. Mm. So take your mind back a year before. What major thing happened? Oh, well, 9-11. Yeah, this 9-11 inspired this song. After 9-11, Joe did not want to leave the house anymore. He was a shut-in. And so he wrote this song to try and convince people to stay inside and fuck <laughs> instead of going out. Oh, my God. I guess and have sex and, like, create a, a small army. Yeah. You know, to fight terrorism 20 years later. Yeah, there's a great bit at the end. I'll play the bit at the end, which is, like, a great uh, for anyone who's in a long-term relationship, you'll enjoy this. What's up with Joe that he sees, like... Did you get that? stay at mama's baby. I sent the kids to your mama's baby. Oh, my God. He's got a babysitter. Stay home. Like, send the kids out. We'll stay home. I love that he's happy to send the kids out into the dangerous <laughs> world, but he's not. He's like, I don't want to leave the house. It's too dangerous. But take the kids, go. But this Get is out the, of here. A, any any couple in the long term, like this is the realistic version of this. Is like, all right, we'll send the kids out, and we'll don't really feel like we'll we'll watch a show. We'll talk about the kids. We'll both be on our phones. On we'll say what we should. What should we do with the house? I'll <laughs> oh, look around here. We've got to tidy up. Or, oh, like that's what I'd be doing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my goodness! What like, he's, he's he's a certain type of guy to see, you know, a disaster like that and think I feel like fucking yes, you know, that's wild. <laughs> well, his the single before this started went to number one. This only got to sixty eight on the Billboard charts. Yeah. Okay. Quite a well, drop. it's hard. It's hard to it's, it's hard to like inspire people to feel like you know like because if if anyone's out in the club, yeah, and they're listening to a song like this, they're not going to want to get sexy. They're like, oh, Joe doesn't even want to be here. Why am I here? They're going to go home. That is true. <laughs> Let's go home, like Joe says. All right, we're going to move on. This is oh, we played. I talked about these with Nikki Britton the other week. Uh, one of the tallest men in dance music, Andy Cato. This is Groove Amada. And their song, My Friend. Whenever I'm down, I call on you, my friend. A helping 
We'll stop it there. Look, um, that that's a that's a bop. Yeah, it's there a good is song. no doubt about it. I forgot that they did that song. I knew the song because it was on pretty much every fucking chill out compilation you ever. Oh yeah, that's got big Euro Euro summer club vibes. <laughs> yeah, it was on. It was it's kind of music for dinner parties as well. Like it's just it should be on a music for dinner party Spotify playlist. Perfect. I mean, it's put in the background. It, the video clip is kind of cool as well, where it's like, I mean, it is it it's, it is what it says on the picture. It's a you know woman who's sick of her work and stuff, and then uh, and then calls on her friends, and their friends are having these these mad times and big nights and fun stuff. Yeah, hungover, etc. So we talked about them with Nikki. Nikki uh, realized that she went to a farmer's market where Andy Cato was at. She didn't realize at the time. She saw that there's a because he's now a farmer, Matt, and uh, oh. he he runs a little farmer's market. And uh, in the Cotswolds, and last week Nikki was like going, "Oh yeah, I went to that because there was a really tall farmer there." I'm like, "Well, this guy's six eight. You saw him. That's Andy." What sort Cato of farmer from- is he? A sheep farmer? Maybe that's what he meant by a call on you. You uh, know, use use. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like maybe that's what he's doing. Well, this uh, this vocalist on this one is Celicia Martin. Uh, the lyrics are an interpolation of Brandy's best friend, her song "Best Friend" from '95. Oh, so that's Brandy in it, is it? No, no, it's not Brandy, but the, it's using her lyrics from her song. Ah. So it's Celicia Martin. So she's still in the industry, uh, but she now works more as a uh, writer. So she's written songs for The Saturdays, for CeeLo Green, uh, Janet Jackson. She's, she's doing all right. right. She, so she, so they, when they made it, they probably took used an actual sample and, probably, then, yeah. and then couldn't afford it. And then I'd say that's had, what had, happens. literally had to call on a friend to like yeah. to sing it, re-sing it. Well, she, she toured with them for two years as well uh, off the back of this uh, album. Uh, and so they, um, yes, yeah, then I think she still does stuff with them occasionally. They're no longer touring. They're now just a studio band. Uh, but they were saying uh, after this, after their song, you know, their song, uh, I See You Baby, Shaking That Ass, mm. the US loved that song. And so they were like, their label was like, we're going to break you in the US, but uh, we can't say ass on the radio over here. So you have to change it to shaking that thing. That's and I find the US can be so strange sometimes, it's, can't it? Well, the guys from River Marta thought it was very strange as well because they were like on radio. They were asked about about the song. They said, "Oh, you've got a dirtier version in the UK, but here in the US." And they were like, "Yeah, I don't understand how you guys can have guns in your yeah, cars, but you won't let us say ass on the radio." <laughs> And the the interview just stopped. They were like, "Oh, yep, yep, 
and then they had to usher them out and they said, all right, we're going to have to get you out of here. We're going to go to the back door in case there's anyone protesting because you're anti-guns. And I'm like, I cannot understand someone <laughs> driving their car and having someone from the, on the radio just go, oh, yeah, I don't understand your gun culture. And then go, that's it. I'm driving to the radio station. I'm going to shoot this person. I couldn't they have claimed that it was about a donkey, like shaking that uh, ass? Yeah. Like that's, I mean, yeah, do they called? I mean, Jackass was a show. Yes. Like, that's... That was the name of it around about then as well. And they were doing more than shaking themselves. Imagine if they called it Jack Thang. That'd be great. (laughs) Uh Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I've missed a song, but I'm going to get it now. So I've just got, this is meant to be number four. Uh, but I missed it and I'm so annoyed I missed it because I actually have a very soft spot for this song and this is an Australian artist, someone who I know personally. It's Casey Chambers and their song, Not Pretty Enough. Oh. Am I not pretty enough? Is my heart too broken? Do I cry too much? Am I too outspoken? Don't I make you laugh? Should I try it harder? Why do you see right through me? I live, I breathe, I let it rain on me. I sleep, I And then it goes on. So we'll pause it there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this that track is like the opposite of the Robbie Williams and Nicole Kidman one in that I didn't love it at the start and now I have a very, you know, fond, strong fondness for it and an appreciation of it. Yeah, it was so weird when she came out and everyone was like, oh my God, her voice is terrible. There was a real thing. Like people didn't oh, I don't like her voice. That. Yeah. I just remember thinking it was the first kind of, from while I was alive, other than Billy Ray Cyrus, the first country crossover that i'd seen especially from australian artists yeah i mean we had shania twain but this is different to shania twain shania twain was a lot more pop yeah and and, and i guess i think it was the australian country thing like yeah i i I sometimes completely forget that there is a huge country like my partner's from toowoomba and so like sometimes we'll hang out with all of her friends that are that grew up in toowoomba and stuff and like they will listen to australian country music and i'm like what is this crazy world you guys are from? It's so fun. So someone like Lee Kernahan or an Adam Brand are huge. Massive. Outside of the cities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you done a tour through, is it Tamworth? Oh, yeah. 
Like, I remember doing gigs during the during the country music festival. The bowls club was jam packed with like artists that I'd never heard of. Have we have we done? Oh, what's the town? It's not oh, where Beef Week is. So it's in Queensland, North Rockhampton. Rockhampton. I've been to Beef Week twice <laughs> from doing road show there. The same night. And you go out and it's a bunch of country boys and country women and all the women, they just want to they wanna meet a farmer. And I was talking to one and she's like, it's all about the hat. You've got to get a big hat. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Is that a euphemism? And she goes, no, no. Like a bi- <laughs> you want a man with a big hat. And I'm like, Okay. You're out there with a sombrero next night. Yeah. <laughs> but Casey's story is uh, amazing. And I, look, listeners, if I get any of this wrong, just b- bear in mind, I forgot it was on the list. I just saw it just then and I didn't do any research on it. But she, she grew up on the land. Her dad was a musician. Her mum, they were all in a big family band together. And then she kind of went solo. I think it was around like 99 she released The Captain. Uh, that was her first solo album that actually – had massive crossover appeal. I remember hearing it on Triple J uh, on the afternoon show. American Rosso interviewed her and they were just talking mm. about like country music and they were like going, well, I don't even think it's a country. I just think it's a nice song and it is a very nice song. But then she was kind of going, oh, I'm into Uncle Tupelo and Wilco and all those kinds of bands. And these are like bands who I love now. But I think just at the time I was 18, 19 and going, country music's weird and then in Launceston there was this festival called Gone South and it was like Killing Heidi I think Powderfinger played um, Silverchair played anyway Casey Chambers was on as well and it was that thing like people didn't know how to act with a band like that and so people started crowd surfing for Casey Chambers because they're like oh that's what we do (laughs) we just jump around and crowd surf and she loved it she was like oh this is the best I've ever had people crowd surfing at my gig you know, she recorded that album, The Captain I'm Reading Now, um, on Norfolk Island. Yeah. Which is a which is a very I don't know many artists who have gone to Norfolk Island to record yeah. a band. And quite funnily enough, Norfolk Island is two hours ahead of like Australian regular Australian time. So maybe it was a bit of for Casey to be ahead of her time. Yeah. You know, in the country well, music world. Well, someone else who in, uh, really liked uh, Casey Chambers was whoever did the uh, music on The Sopranos. Because she's in, like, there's an uh, episode where they play one of her songs on The Sopranos. In the actual show. In the actual show. And apparently that took off in America. And she did... So wait, she, sorry. No, as, as part of the soundtrack or diegetically, it is literally... It's in, in the, the show. world of the Sopranos. It's in the world. Someone's alarm goes off and the radio goes on and that's playing. Oh, love yeah. it. Yeah. And she, there's a song she does kind of like, you know how Bob Dylan has his song, Bob Dylan's Dream, and he kind of talks about She has a song called Casey's Dream and it's talking about her career and it says, oh, and then uh, someone from Sopranos played my song and my career took off. And it's just that was like in America, what's that song? And then she took it. And then this is off the back of that. Might even be this song. I don't know. It was either Captain or this song was played. Man, I can't remember. do you know what? I, it would be so funny to see Tony Soprano doing a cover of Our Minds Pretty Enough. <laughs> it needs to. I wish it could happen. Uh, anyway, good on you, Casey. I like that song. Love you, I Casey. Li- I like that. I like her. I think she's great. All right. Moving on. Back to some pop. These are some guys from the UK. This is their second number one single ever. This is If You Come Back by the band Blue.
That, that right was, your alley? Oh, <laughs> that got me going, dog. I mean, that was like, that's the sort of world that I was like basing my boy band on. Yeah. You know, I think this is, this is smart because this reminds me of Take That, I Want You Back. If You Come Back, I Want You Back. It's even got that, uh, if you come back, they repeat back a few times in I Want so You Back. True. It's like, I want you back, I want you back, I want you back for good. It's like, never it's, occurred to me that it's, a, it's almost a direct ripoff, isn't it? it? It's smart. It's it's that thing. Of, it reminds me of an, another song, but not. It's not a blatant ripoff. It's like, oh, that's my yeah. god. It's it's obvious now that you said it. It never occurred to me. Take that. I want you back. Is one of the oh. greatest pop songs of all time. I will yeah. fight anyone. It's one of those ones. That. Even people who don't like pop, you can't deny that it shouldn't be at the top of the charts. Yeah, totally. I mean, and then um, well. Blue found a little bit of hits, a success with another actual cover, and that was of Too Close. Yeah. Um, that used to be originally by Next, and that is a tune as well. See, so whoever's behind this group, they've got a good ear, and they know how to, you know, well, mirror things. What happened, they started off, so this morning, which is like a TV show in the UK, uh, it's been going for years, it's kind of like a Studio 10 kind of show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon Cowell was trying to put a boy band together on the show. Uh, and this was before Pop Idol. He was trying to do that. Uh, so Lee and Aunt Anthony from the band, they met there, they auditioned, but the, they got into the band, but the band didn't go anywhere. Uh, another kid who was in the band as well was Will Young, who ended up winning the first season of Pop Idol in the UK. So Simon Cowell saw him and went, no, nah, I'm going to come and do this. Come do this and thing. Save you. Yeah. Uh, but Lee and Anthony were friends from that. So went, oh, let's, let's form a band together. They got some members as well. So this was after Too Close was successful. Uh, they flew to New York to film this clip. And while they were there, it was the middle of September, they were there for the attacks. Wow. In, the, yeah. in New York? In, for, yeah, to record, to film this film clip for If You Come Back. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and we talked about what they said afterwards. We don't need to get into that again. But this one is a, a lot more like take that more Backstreet Boy style than the other ones. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm nostalgic for the days where people would try to assemble a completely soulless pop group yeah like i i mean i remember i actually auditioned for one before i or maybe it was even after i was in my boy band i remember there was a call out in the newspaper you know wanted singers and performers for this pop group so i drove my car out to like bean lee or logan into this hall where i where i had to like there was a big room full of all these like young hopefuls and um and then i sung a song um, and do you know what I sung? I sung Freedom oh. based off Robbie Williams' cover of the George Michael song. So, uh, you know, I was bagging out Robbie's song earlier, but I mean, it, it just goes but to yeah. show that I'm a big fan of him. Hit's a hit. Um, also, Blue, around this time, uh, tried to get... Su- 
another band from Scotland from the 70s called Blue tried to sue them for £5 million pounds, uh, saying that, no, you've taken our name. And then it went to the high court and the judge was like, look, I think people can tell the difference between your two bands. One is a pop band. One is a rock band from the 70s. You're going to be fine. And said, you can both just share the name. And yeah. <laughs> Also, this doesn't have to be because, like, you know, Blink One Eight Two or Rufus yeah. to Soul had to do the add-on. So, yeah. uh, Rolling Blackouts, Coastal Fever had to do the same thing. They were just Rolling Blackouts. Um, all right, we're gonna move on. This is first time on the pod for this band. They're called Party One, and this one's Party One versus In Excess, and this is their song, "I'm So Crazy." Aww. Radio edit. That's all we can play. Man, that's cool. I like that song. I like that song too. I didn't realise, like, I knew Just Keep Walking. I'm not a big NXS fan. I mean, no. I don't dislike them. I just don't know them. They're that, no, exactly. They were too old for me. And then by the time I was into music, they were like an old band kind of stuff. 100%. Yeah. Um, but this song, I listened to the original and I really like it. I mean, it's one of those songs where the, the chorus is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. The verse is fine, but the chorus at... at Fucking slaps. I love it. So is this this song that they've done, because this sort of feels like the, it's like the birth of the home computer music person. And like, you know, your Fruity Loops sort of style of music production in which it's just a looped sequencer. And it feels like this person has just chopped up a lot of bits of that song, added a strong beat, and then just like chucked all the different bits in various things. Is that that right? I'd say so. So it's a duo. It's Sergio Casu and Andrea Pario. So party one. So Sergio, Sergio one was what he went by. It's just his solo DJ. Um, Mm. Yeah, and this is their only major hit really as well. Uh, Got to number 19 in the UK, top 10 in Scotland, uh, here it got to 38. Um, wow, I thought it got bigger yeah. than that. I remember it being so on, this is again, was on Rage and Video oh, Hits all the time. The film clip's great. The film clip is kind of a bunch of punks like pogoing about. It's really, it's really good. Um, um, yeah. I remember like, it's funny how you don't understand some music. You don't understand styles of music and why people would like them. Yeah. So growing up, I remember hearing this song a bit and being like, 
I don't like. I don't get the hype around this song. I don't understand why anyone would really like it. And then you cut to how you're living three years later. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this absolutely slaps when you're gurning in a little sweaty, you know, hot box in we some talk, club somewhere. We talked about a few weeks ago on the other podcast, Faithless, the UK uh, dance outfit. Yeah. And it's that thing of like, oh, yeah, it's, it's fine when you listen to it on headphones or in your house. But if you're in a club or you're seeing it live, it's... Goes to a whole nother level. I know. It's like, oh. So like, yeah, you're like, oh no, one like, I wish a song like this came on and I was in a club. It would yeah. be, it would be so good. All right. But yeah. Move. When you when you when you're 12 years old eating yeah. cereal and on Saturday morning, you're like, what is so this? That's what I was like with uh, Firestarter by the Prodigy. Going, this yeah. is scary music. Why would people want to listen to scary music? All right. Now this band. When you ask Mum for Blink One Eight Two, she says, Hey, we have Blink One Eight Two at home. This is who she means. This is Sugar Ray and their song, Answer the Phone. Yeah, geez, you weren't relying about that Blink-182 similarity, <laughs> it's, hey. It's so much like them. I mean, this to be fair, this is five years after Fly, you know? Yes. Like Fly 1997, which, are, yep. which had a little bit more of a distinct Sugar Ray sound yeah, to it. Yeah, and then they had Every Morning, which also kind yep. of fits it. And this is just kind of going, all right, we're going to... Well, it kicked off their album as well. And I'd say if they were playing live, they'd probably start this, start the set with this. Big energy mm. and then, yeah. I, I get it. It's their fourth album as well. well I really uh, only know Sugar Ray for bringing bringing the gold tips. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Mark the, McGrath the tips. That's all. Like, I mean, that's what they the signature move. Well, they launched this album in Australia on Hollywood on the Gold Coast. Oh, Movie World. No, they didn't. It was on the Gold Coast. Uh, it was on, on a beach, but they were at Movie World because they were filming their parts in Scooby Doo. Yes. Alongside Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr. and Harley Breen. He's in that film. Is he really? Yeah, he's in the background. Him, that's how he and oh, Wade Duffin met. Yeah. I'm not sure if they were doing some suit work or if they were just in the film, but they're there. Um, yeah, so um, the band, they're still touring. Uh, well, two of them are. Uh, the drummer and the bassist uh, have left the band, uh, although... They kind of went, said they were going on a break and then the other two just went on without them and they were saying, oh, we never actually quit the band. They were pushed out and then, anyway, they went to court, like most bands. Uh, and then they also said that 
Mark McGrath, who was the lead singer and kind of the standout like breakaway star from the band, he demanded $10,000 per appearance uh, for the band, no matter what the band were getting paid, he wanted ten thousand oh. dollars and and first class plane tickets, and everyone else flew in economy. Uh, which is it's tough if you're in a band and go, oh, well, I'm, I'm is... flying first class. <laughs> That's a big call. That's like being in a family and being like, I'm gonna fly. Daddy's flying first class. <laughs> <laughs> Mum and the kids in the back, like that's game over, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, last last time I flew with my family to Perth, we got there and they went, "Oh, uh, if you want, you can be upgraded to business class." And I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, don't offer me." <laughs> I've got my wife and kids. No, I'm, I'll, well, I'll be back. I, I've never been offered the upgrade. That's uh, except for a Rex flight once from. <laughs> Bloody Melbourne to Sydney at six o'clock in the morning. I was like, I don't even want this. The, the upgrade is you fly it on a Rex flight. That's, that's nothing else. Yeah. Um, hey, I mentioned they're still they're still on the road. Uh, they've just completed a tour. This is and it's such a '90s tour. They know they know their fans. So Fastball opened the show with their mm-hmm. song. You know, uh, the the way was their song. I know, I'm, I'm familiar yep. with Fastball, but I can't remember the song. Tonic, brilliant. Awesome. Yep. The gin blossoms. She could only see me. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the gin blossoms. I know of them again, but I can't remember a yeah. song. And then these guys. I mean, that's like those. I saw a band. I saw a, a, um, a festival with like Bachelor Girl in it. Yeah. The other week, and it's like that's you know, <laughs> I fought so hard to have Bachelor Girl in Mother and Son. Oh. Hit like uh, buses and trains. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was like, they, they were like, we can. It's going to cost us a lot of money and we're allowed to get five seconds of it. And I was like, get five seconds of it. We need it. So you literally uh-huh. hear five seconds of it and it cuts off right at five seconds. <laughs> um, but worth every penny. Uh, great. All right. Answer the phone. Thanks, Sugar Ray. All right. Our last song. Our final song ever on Homes and Hits. Oh, we've come so far. Oh, we, st- we started with so much diesel. 100% tears, I yeah. am. You know? Sad. We start off with diesel. I'd give anything for some diesel these days. Um, here we go. This is a band from Adelaide. Please Sarah- tell me it's something to do with green energy. Just to, <laughs> just to go from diesel to like solar, some solar named band. <laughs> no, no. This is the Super Jesus and their song, Enough to Know. We mentioned that, uh, what was the song we said sounds like it should be on uh, Dawson's Creek? Was it, I think it might that have been the very was, first. 
The uh, no, it wasn't the cause. Was Jewel. it? Jewel, Jewel, Jewel. That's right. Standing still. This one sounds like it should have been on the Secret Life of Us, and it probably oh was God. on the Secret Life <laughs> yeah, of Us. It almost certainly was. I loved a bit of Super Jesus. Gravity was an incredible song. Um, I was it know, going down? Was that theirs? I believe one so. of their one of their songs going down is a really great song. Is it a, a is it down again? Do you down mean? again. There you go. That's what I meant. Yeah, um, yeah. no, nah, absolutely loved it. That was from an iconic kind of time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, down again was when I was in year twelve, and me and my friend Justin, we found there was a radio station at the at the at the college we were at, and we'd just play over the campus. And so we said, "Can we DJ at lunch?" And so we would, we played down again, and. While we were playing it, there was a guy banging on the door and then he ran in. It was like, what is this song? I love this song. And like, I was like, oh, it's Super Jesus Down Again. And then that guy's name was Matthew Teeny and then we came mates off the back of that. He was like, it was before Shazam, before you could just go, all right, uh, I'll just Shazam the song. So he ran up to the top floor of the college and was like, I need to know what this song is. <laughs> you guys are the original Shazam. <laughs> yeah. That's that's incredible. You should have laid. Uh, you should have. You should be suing the app. Yeah. You know, for a copyright. I, I think that I've told the listeners this. I haven't told you though, Matt. So my brother-in-law's uh, husband, he was one of the coders for Shazam, mm. and this was before it was out. And he was telling me what he was working on, and he was like, "Oh, so it's if you hear a song in a club or in a cafe, you can just put your phone up, and then you get what." It, I'm like, "Who's going to use that? Just Google the lyrics." <laughs> And I was trying to tell him it's a dumb, it's just so dumb. Stop. Yeah, just leave it now, bro. He's made so much money Invest off the back of this. Invest in VHS stores. Okay. People like having conversations with record clerks. <laughs> they don't want to go in. They want to feel uncomfortable. Um, so this song from their album Jet Age, which was released in two thousand, but they re-released it in two thousand one in November with a live CD attached to their gig they did at the basement in Sydney. And I used to cool. love that. Did you ever have any like albums with like a bonus? Did you even get a bonus disc on an yes, album? Yes, but I, you know, I remember when my because I used to listen to Bruce Springsteen a lot growing up, and I then I used to love like the Bruce Springsteen's greatest hits. And my mum also had some records of Bruce Springsteen that were live records. Yeah, and I remember it was the first time that I'd realized as a kid I'd never been to a live music show before or anything. It's the first time that I had heard a band play a song live that I'd known from a CD and it being different. I was like, oh. what's going on? I thought it would be exactly the same. Yeah. But it sounds all different and they're doing different things with their voice in times and like, uh, like, do you know what I mean? You go, uh, like, absolutely, what? yeah. I had no idea that, they would, that it wouldn't sound exactly like the CD. Yep. Uh, I had, I remember you and I on Hi-Fi Way had a bonus disc, um, which was from when they supported Soundgarden in America. And so they called it Someone Else's Crowd, which I think was uh, good. And then The Cure, their greatest hits came with a acoustic version of all the all the songs. Oh, see, I love I love yeah. an acoustic version of all the songs, and I am such such a sucker for a strings version of all the songs. Like yeah. when a, when like a hip hop artist does a like version of their yeah. album with just the like orchestra. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> The other one I remember, Evan Dando had a live album out and it came with a bonus disc and on that, it was just covers on the bonus disc and it was a cover of the um, John Prine song, Sam Stone, which is the saddest song. You'll, it's got the line, um, there's a hole in daddy's arm where all the money goes. It's talking about, it's from the perspective of a daughter saying, 
my dad's on heroin and yeah, but he he came back from war and couldn't get the help he needed. All right. That is the end. Cool, man. Nice positive way to end the (laughs) the series that you've heralded over the last few years. What are you doing? Well, it's not the end because what at the end, Matt, is we go through them one by one and you tell me if you think this song is a hit or not, according to yeah. Matt O'Kine. So we're starting off with Robbie and Nicole and Something Stupid. Is that a hit or not a hit? Not. Not well, a hit. The Cause, Would You Be Happier? No. Jewel, Standing Still? No. Oh, no, that's a hit. That's a hit? The chorus yeah. is good. Uh, yeah. Casey Chambers, Not Pretty Enough? Hit. Joe, let's stay home tonight. Not. Groove Armada, my friend. Hit. Yeah, it's a hit, yeah. Blue, if you come back. Hit, hit, hit. Party One versus In Excess. Hit. I'm so crazy. Sugar Ray, answer the phone. Not. And Enough to Know by the Super Jesus. Hit. Six out of ten. What a way yeah. to go out. That's good. 60% I hits. I mean, this is, my, this is my prime time, bro. <laughs> I love this sort of stuff. So... <laughs> Yeah, you, you couldn't have chosen a better year for me. This is great. I like to hear that. Hey, what have you got to plug, Matt? You got uh, you got your podcast with Alex. Yeah, Matt and Alex All Day Breakfast is out every single weekday morning from about 5am, wherever you get your pods. But also, please check out Mother and Son on ABC iView. You can catch up on all eight episodes of the first season as of this recording. And if you're listening into the future, maybe we got five more seasons for you to watch. So who knows? With the wonderful Denise Scott as well. She's Shout so out great. to Scotty, absolute legend, and uh, yeah. So please keep and uh, you know k- k- keep watching it and keep supporting uh, all the Australian TV and music you can. Hey, big thanks everyone who's been on this journey with me. What a ride we've had from '91, the first song, "People Are Still Having Sex," all the way to "Enough to Know" by the Super Jesus. Hey, if you want, if you like the podcast and want to hear me talk about music more, go to the Patreon. I'm still going to continue doing Pod Machine, talking all about Hit Machine. We're about to go into So Fresh. So we've got so many more so freshes yeah. to get onto, but to hear those, you've got to go to Patreon.com/slash/dykwia. In the main feed, we're going to have a bit of a break, but I am going to start a new podcast very, very soon called Four Burners. So everywhere you get podcasts from, go there, find it. There's a little uh, a little trailer up there for that. It's going to be me talking to a guest about uh, things in their life. So imagine your life as a four burner stovetop. One is health, one is career, one is family, one is friends. You can't have them all going, Matt. Otherwise, you burn out. So you got to you got to turn one off. And I talk to my I talk to my guest about which one they're going to turn off. Well, you just got to make sure you don't have pots that are too big. You know, yeah. you got to have a little pot or a big pot or yes. whatever. Um, it, but thank you very much for having me, Josh. It's been a, been amazing. Thanks, mate. We'll see you all uh, sometime in the future. Take care. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.